I'm Fitton Cassidy and you're listening to Fantastic Startups and How to Find Them, the podcast where I talk to founders and industry experts about all things startups, from ideas to scaling. This week, I'm talking to Charlotte Montevaro, CEO of Mohican, a male grooming company with a range of cor- corrective cosmetics for men. She talks to me about how they came up with the idea, her experience with the New Frontiers program, and the difficulties she had securing funding. This is what she had to say. Hello, Charlotte. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good. Not too bad. How are you? I'm great, thanks. I hope it's not too echoey in here. I've locked myself in the sunroom so the dogs won't bark. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's all right. No, that, sound, that sounds good. So I'll, I'll just jump straight, jump straight in. Um, so yeah, the first question here is, uh, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and, and your business? So my business really came out of um, a conversation that I had with one of my, my colleagues named Mark. I suppose for myself, I've always had a background in sales, recruitment and business development. So my jobs are always kind of KPI related. They were about building business relationships and moving into new markets. And when I met Mark in a recruitment firm, he told me that he was kind of frustrated buying skincare products and concealing products that were largely targeted at women. He was frustrated that there wasn't anything on the shelf available for a man. So I kind of said, look, why don't we do this? You know, we did a bit of research we saw that there, there was no other company doing something like that. So we saw kind of a gap in the market. So I, I guess that's where the original idea came from. And we've spent pretty much every day of the last three years making that happen. I know, I know some entrepreneurs tend to brainstorm different ideas, but, but for yourselves, this grew from a problem your colleague Mark had and, and you both felt there was a gap in the market there? It was definitely problem solution. You know, he had a problem okay. that he had just told me about. And we kind of identified, hang on a minute, he can't be the only person here with, with this problem. There has to be other men in this situation. So we did a little bit of research and we looked around and we saw that there were other men who were buying female concealing products. They had all the same skin issues that he had, but unfortunately there wasn't a product for them. So we said, look, let's just do this and see what happens. And can you tell us a bit more about how you validated the idea and, and the research that you've done? You, you ask people. You know, so things like airport concessions are a great place to talk to people because the staff at airport concessions, they meet people from all over the world. So when you walk up to those cosmetic counters and, you know, you chat to the staff because they're very friendly people, they're quite happy to chat to you. And you ask them questions like what percentage of your customers here are male? What percentage of the customers are buying for themselves or a gift for their partner? You do online research, you talk to makeup artists, you know, you talk to dermatologists, you talk to basically anyone that's involved in the cosmetic industry and you ask them for their statistics. How many men have you seen needing a product similar to this? Or, you know, what are men using? Tell me about it. Speak to distributors, manufacturers. You know, you can very quickly build a picture of what's going on if if you ask the right questions. So you perform primary research asking industry experts as opposed to secondary research like government or industry statistics? I don't really trust that data because I think it's very easy to sit in an office and just put numbers on an Excel sheet. It means nothing. You know, anyone can make up numbers. But when you talk to industry experts who are working in that industry, they're hands-on and they're always happy to give you that information. Those are the numbers that I would trust. I'd agree. I think it's hard to get a feel for what's what's really happening from a report. You can't ask a report, follow up questions or or read body language or or get emotion. All that kind of stuff. But after a while, you start to hear the same thing, you know, from a certain number of people. Then you know you're on the right track, don't you? And after you've done your research and you feel there is a market there, what was your next step? So I suppose the most important thing for us was to figure out how we were going to manufacture this product because we don't come from 
um, you know, pharmaceutical backgrounds. So we had to explore yeah. where we were going to get this product made. So I think that was probably the most difficult part of our journey was finding a manufacturing partner or partners to actually work with because we were so new and so young. We didn't have industry experience. It was an uphill struggle for us to actually find someone that was willing to welcome us in and say, okay, look, we're going to work with you guys because it's risky, isn't it? You know, when you yeah. a startup, you could put a year and a half's worth of your time into developing a product, then they mightn't get the funding or they might lose interest and walk away. So we did engage with two companies that were willing to work with us, thank God. Um, and they've made it really easy. They've made it easy for us, but it took us a long time to find the right companies. Yeah, I'd seen that on, on your blog, um, just how you'd um, kind of talked about how like manufacturers wouldn't wouldn't take you seriously and wouldn't even meet you. And someone wanting to see was it like 250,000 um, in revenue before, they, before they'd actually meet you. Yeah, so a lot of companies want to see the color of your money before they'll bring you in for a cup of coffee, yeah. you know, and that's because they're working with these huge cosmetic houses and those huge cosmetic companies are placing orders millions of euros at a time. They knew that we were starting off small, that we had a plan to scale. But initially we were small and that's risky for any company. But the company we found were actually doing a lot of the same research that we were and they saw a change in the market. So we just kind of met them at the right time. They were looking for a way into the male cosmetics market. And I, I guess when we contacted them, it was just kind of right time, right place. They were willing to take a chance on yeah. us, you know. It's just a case of having to like keep keep plugging away and keep trying to, to find a manufacturer until until you get someone who's kind of willing um that who kind of meets your standards and who's kind of willing to work with I you. I think it's like anything you know it's it's like if you're trying to buy a house or something you just need one don't you you know yeah you know, you know you're not going to knock doors eventually you will get a yes it just you've just got to be persistent you know tenacity is everything. I think that probably helps coming you coming from kind of a sales background I think like there might have been like probably plenty of people who wouldn't be be kind of fit for that kind of I suppose rejection and like did you ever doubt yourselves whenever you whenever you were kind of coming coming up against this I, I guess my sales background definitely helped but I was I was born deaf to the word no it never meant anything to me when people <laughs> tell me no it's not what I hear I hear eh, maybe or not right now but I never you know I never did you know I was a nightmare as a child but definitely working in sales where you're trying to convert a yes to a no it definitely helps you can't start a business unless you have that kind of resilience because you will just fall at the first hurdle. I think that's, that's really, that's really good advice and kind of something that people need to, to kind of know starting out that it's, it's, it's going to be an uphill, uphill battle. And um, also seen on like one of your, one of your blogs, it kind of really stood out to me where you, where you talked about kind of being able, like not being able to, to sleep till four in the morning, worrying about things that haven't even happened yet. And, and you'd said how, as a CEO, like the entire weight of the company lies on your shoulders. So I'm wondering, like, does that, does that get any easier over time? Or uh, like, how, how, are you, how do you cope with the stress? I don't think in a way that it, it should get easier. Because I think if you lose that fear, then you may lose momentum. You know what I mean? I think, I think you need to worry about those things. Not to such an extent that it impacts on your life. But I do think that the second you get comfortable, you're in a dangerous area. I think you need to feel that bit of fear. Okay. You know, what if this doesn't work out or what if we've done the wrong thing here? Because it, it what it's what drives you to keep going and keep exploring and keep going forward. You've got to keep moving. I don't think you can kind of sit back and relax and say, oh, well, this is great. This worked out really well for us. You know, that that's not going to benefit you, is it? Yeah. You know, you, you need to have. Yeah, no. I think that's probably reassuring for, for other people to hear. Like, um, like I'd say lot, lots of other um 
like CEOs and founders have have kind of similar similar doubts. But at least whenever hearing that there there are other companies that it's it's the exact same everywhere. And if you if you are worrying, you're probably you're probably doing the right I thing. I think the fear kind of changes at the start. You're kind of worried: will we get the business off the ground? Then you kind of you reach that milestone and you worry about your product. You know, is anyone going to buy this? And then you start selling your product, and then the fear changes to: will enough people buy this? Or you know, what are the next range of products we're going to bring out? Where are we going to get those manufactured? So there's always a worry and a fear, but it changes, you know, as, as your business progresses, your fears and worries change. In terms of supports, I think I read one of the first places you went was the New Frontiers program. Can you tell us a, a bit about the program? The New Frontiers program was um, recommended to me by somebody else. They're running all of the, the ITs around the country. Um, it's a six month program for entrepreneurs who have a business idea. So I actually had a rough business plan going in there. It definitely wasn't polished, but I had the bones of the business, yeah. you know, in various spreadsheets on my laptop. So that's actually where our business journey kind of began. Um, so we did phase one, which was um, evening only. Then we applied for phase two and our application was successful. It's highly competitive. You know, you have to pitch to a room full of investors and Enterprise Island panel. Um, and then when you're accepted, then you move on to phase two, which is six months. And you get to work with other people who are at a similar kind of startup stage to you, which is really beneficial because I think you can talk to your family and friends or your partner, but they don't really understand where you're at or what zone you're in. You know, I think once you've started a business, you, you don't get, you just don't get it. So to be in a room with 12 or 13 other people who are feeling all the same things as you are, is, is really reassuring. It's actually kind of comforting. It makes you feel a little less lunaticish. <laughs> Um, no, that's, I, I think that's kind of a good point having the, that kind of network around you that can um, I suppose that can kind of support you and, and kind of validate ideas and maybe give you kind of constructive feedback on, on other things that, that probably aren't just or even right. if you're just having a bit of a down day you know to go in there and to have someone else say do you know what that happened to me last month this is how I got out of it or you know I'm feeling better now it'll pass just someone that can relate to how you're feeling I think is really important even if you don't join New Frontiers, I think it's really vital for startup people to have a little network around them of similar people. Even if it's a WhatsApp group or you know a meetup in a local pub once a month or something, I think you need to be able to speak to people that can relate to what you're going through. I think it's really important. Okay, that, that's actually very interesting. For, for anyone wanting to join a program like New Frontiers, what, what would you say are the basics they, they need to have before they can apply? I think there is no basic. Just apply and see what happens. I think you can sit around and think about things for ages and mull them over, but, you know, you need to do something, don't you? You need a bit of action. So just apply and see what happens. I mean, if they feel your application isn't suitable, you know, you will get feedback. So then you can tailor your application. You can, you can apply again. But I, I definitely wouldn't research it too much. I think just go in with whatever business idea you have and see what they say. That, that's a great point. I think a lot of startups tend to put in barriers to their success. I know in, I know in Eric Rye's book, The Lean Startup, talks about instead of making complex plans based on, based on assumptions, you need to be constantly making adjustments by building, measuring, learning, and then you, then you start building version two of your product from, from what you've learned, and then you start the process all over again. Like even if you think of Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, I know he said if if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've you've probably launched too late. I've met a lot of entrepreneurs that spend you know a year thinking, and thinking is no good. You know you need to do, you need action. So I I would definitely think less and do more. Okay. One of the other things I wanted to ask was 
like what would you do differently if you were if you were starting over again i was actually thinking about this the other day there's only one thing that i would do differently and i think i would have spent less time looking for funding because it, it's a time suck and it can distract you from selling and if you're selling you don't need funding because you have your income coming in so i think for me that was definitely a waste of time had i been in another country that was perhaps a little more business friendly or open to entrepreneurs with ideas similar to ours maybe it would have been different but i think looking where i was looking in the places that i was looking for the funding definitely wasted a lot of my time when i should really have been focusing on just growing sales organically i think that's probably like that seems to be something that I'm coming across and kind of research from like um like stories from from different companies that funding seems to be to be a big issue um i think that's that's probably good advice to kind of focus focus on your sales and if you can if you can get your sales up then so as investors will start to take you more more seriously. I think it's risky for any investor to give money to a concept, particularly when it's a consumer product like ours. Yeah. It's different if it's tech, you know, but I think with the consumer product, it's definitely very risky. Um, so, you know, you can understand why funding isn't easy to come across. But I think if your business is solely relying on funding, then ultimately it's going to fail. If your product is good and there's a consumer demand for it, it will sell. I suppose that's, that's it, you know, it, it will sell or it won't. I think it's also a good way of validating whether the business is viable. That's that's the litmus test, whether you can get sales for the business. It is, and I think there's no amount of funding can make people want a shoddy product that's in the wrong place at the wrong time for the wrong price. You know, So looking back on yeah. it, I do definitely think we should have focused more on growing sales organically. But other than that, I definitely wouldn't have changed anything. I don't know, um, but just, just looking at the topic of funding, I'd, I'd heard on... Um, like Mark's interview with them today FM back in back in February that you are looking for like uh, a strategic investor now like how, how's that going? I mean we're still talking to people we have met with people obviously before um, lockdown and there are conversations going on but whether Mark and I receive funding or not it, it's not it hasn't changed our goal it hasn't changed our journey we're still hitting all the milestones that we set out for ourselves we're working with a company at the moment called Shannon Retail Innovation and what they do is they link um, companies like us with the aviation industry. So in-flight retail, for example, or if you're trying to, you know, our ultimate okay. goal, which is Asia. So now we have an excellent link to that export market. So sometimes I find the longer you're around, the more kind of the more people that you meet, the more beneficial to you, should we say. You know, you meet these people that are kind of operating in the same space as you. And then you kind of learn, actually, we don't really need funding. We just we need to get sales in another area. So that's what we're working on at the moment. Um, Asia has always been our goal. The next, okay, next big thing that you are That's the next big thing, Asia and the US. So we've trademarked um, throughout Europe and the US. We're currently trademarking in Asia. Um, that is the largest market in the world for male cosmetics. Uh, particularly for European brands, because they like something that looks a bit different. So that's what we're working on for 2021. Yeah. Hopefully it all goes well. But, but look, best of, best of luck with it. Um, and it probably helps that, like, whenever you're going into this, into kind of like the, like the Asian market, that you've, you've kind of tested the, tested the products already. And now you kind of, you've kind of learned from, from your experience in, in Ireland, you're kind of ready to... to kind yeah, of I do think you need to kind of a year of kind of testing your product. You need to get the feedback from customers and you need to be very open to that feedback, be it positive or negative. I don't think you can take it personally. You've got to kind of stand back and you've, you've got to listen to what people are saying and then you've got to apply that to the next phase of your rollout. 
okay, we did this here, this worked, it didn't work, they liked it, they didn't like it, whatever. You know, I definitely wouldn't have liked to have launched in a market like Asia. I, I, I'm not sure how successful we would have been. It's definitely been beneficial to us launching yeah. in Ireland. We've learned a lot from it. Okay, that's, that's actually very like interesting. Here. Probably something people should kind of keep and um, like keep in mind and have more like realistic expectations. So it's going to be a lot of a lot of testing and, and improving. You're not gonna um, you're not gonna have it right at, at the first stage. And the, probably the best way of, of learning is by having an actual product and getting feedback from. But I, I don't think users. that's something that you know when you're starting off on a startup journey as an entrepreneur. You know, I don't think your expectations are in the right place at all because entrepreneurs, I think by nature, are super optimistic and like, well, we're going to make yeah. millions, you know, this time next week, I'm going to have a yacht. And we're all the same. All those entrepreneurs are the same. And I think if you didn't have that, you wouldn't succeed in business. You know, you need to have those big dreams, but it can lead to disappointment when the reality is quite different to your expectation. Yeah. It's kind of like um, like oh. Del Boy from from Only Fools and Horses. This time next it's week, exactly like that. But house. actually, in the last episode of Only Fools and Horses, I don't know if, if you saw it, they actually did make millions. So I think it's it's to the startup journey. You yeah. just got to keep you know you've got to keep going until you hit the jackpot. Yeah, if there's a lesson there. It's, just, it's all about uh, yeah. resilience and optimism. Like generally, I, I kind of be a. Uh, um, an avid reader and I was wondering is, is there any books you would recommend for people like interested in in startups I deliberately didn't read any books or listen to any podcasts about startups um for the simple fact that that's other people's business it's not my business it's not my journey you know I wanted us to kind of create our own story I didn't want to be influenced by other people's stories um which probably sounds insane but I was determined not to let it into my head um, just because someone else has had success by, you know, following this model or, you know, marketing this product, it doesn't mean you're going to because your business is different and your team is different. So I deliberately avoided reading yeah. those types of books. It's probably easy to, to read a lot, but where you learn the most is by, by starting and kind of being practical. And you, you probably need to be lean in a sense um, and just kind of keep keep learning, keep trialing out the product, build it, you know, measure it and then. And can you see what works and what it's doesn't? It's true. And I mean, really how many people have written books about, you know, an epic failure of a business? Very few. The only ones that are available are people that have made billions. Yeah. And that's just really not useful to you when you're lying in bed, you know, worried about, you know, money coming out of the business bank account and not enough coming in. So I just, I think it could actually demotivate you in some ways, you know? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and just in terms of, like, is there, is there any kind of, like, general advice that, that you give to someone who's, I suppose, thinking about starting Just do it. Business? You know, I, I do meet people who kind of reach out to me and say, oh, I'm thinking about doing this, but, you know, my daughter is going to college. We need a new car. We're building extension. This is not a great time. We're having a baby. I just think there's always a reason not to do it. You will always find a reason not to do it. If you have a yeah. business idea, stop what you're doing right now and start making your business happen. Because I think the longer you leave it, the more you can talk yourself out of doing it. But if you have an idea and it's in your head, there's something there that I think needs to be explored. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, nobody died, but you will learn so much about yourself. You will meet yeah. people, you will go places, you will have experience that you never would have had if you're stuck at a nine to five, hating your job and hating your life, living for a salary. So I, I would encourage anyone to just drop what they're doing and start the business and see what happens. You know, life is short. A positive message probably to, to end on. I know there's, there's loads more questions that I'd I'd like to ask. I'm kind of conscious of of time, so I think kind of we'll we'll wrap it up there. But re really appreciate you 
be coming on. I think like everyone, um, like everyone listening. I hope so. Look, if there's anything on. else you'd like to ask me, feel free. You have my contact details. Perfect. Um, sure. Best of luck. And um, best luck with, with everything in the future. And hope it goes goes well for yourself and Mark. And see him if there, if there's anything you need from me in the future or um like anything at all. You know. Just Thanks very much. Have a great day. Startups and how to find them. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all that stuff.